Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bar karbanu mikol hamim, venatan lanu et torato. Baruch atah Adonai, noten haTorah. Amen. Adonai, in the merit of Mashiach Yeshua, may you grant us eyes to see, ears to hear, and may we dive into the words of your Torah, beholding beautiful and wondrous things. Amen. Well, shalom, everybody. Just want to say it is Parsha Vayetze. Super excited. So shameless plug time. First of all, I just want to say shouts out to the Rebbe of Lapid. I call him Rob Lapid, a.k.a. Rabbi Griffin, a.k.a. Captain Yisrael. Homeboy, homeboy is doing his this thing, which we know his thing, is a Shem's thing. So, you know, ain't no thing. Well, it is a thing. It's a big thing. So, just want to say that he is dropping Aliyot um, for the Parashot. And uh, he's doing that every day. So, may Hashem continue to bless that. And just so you know, it's on Facebook Live. If you go to My Sar Shalom Synagogue, you can check that out on Facebook. And then if you have Anchor, a wonderful little app, and he probably is on other apps by now, because if you go to the Anchor page, uh, we get shopped out to like Spotify and uh, like podcasts, like there's a Cloudcast type thing. And then there is Radio Public, one of my favorites. And for the iPhone users, it's on the podcast app for that. So uh, if you have the iPodcast app, it's on there too. So check out Rabbi Mordechai Griffin on Anchor. So that's my first shameless plug. And trust me, he is dropping like the biggest bombs ever. So just know that, believe that, trust that, and thank you Hashem for that. The next thing I just want to show a little love to the Torah to Basora class, i.e. the TTB class that happens uh, on the midweek, on uh, basically the beginning of fifth day, the end of fourth day, that is commonly known as Wednesday nights. And, um, you know, the first time this week we tried to audio capture the class, so you will see Torah to Basora with the name of the parasha following it. And we tried our best to do what we have deemed hot phone tato. Like instead of hot potato, we passed the phone and um, we're recording that way. So uh, trying to do uh, a live recording with a big setting like that is kind of crazy, but you know, we tried. And hopefully the audio works out great. Um, we had a lot of uh, crazy insights go down. So Baruch Hashem, this week is super saturated. So let's saturate it some more. Uh, just don't want to really belabor the time, but to belabor the time, um, I want to just go through some quick insights from this week. Uh, Parsha Vayetze, which is going out. And the first thing we need to know about Yetze is that this is the term used for leaving Egypt. If you have a Sidur, yes, we are dropping Sidur bombs. In the section of the Shema, 
I'm going to be in the Shakarit portion because I'm a morning prayer person. I mean, I do all three with the help of Hashem, but, you know, I really, if I had to be partial, I would pick Shakarit, you know, got a Shakarit before you eat, you know, kind of thing. But anyway, so if you go through the Shema section on page 95 in the Men's Complete Art Scrolls Sidur. It says, I am Adonai, your God, who has removed you from the land of Mitzrayim. Now, I want to shout out Ishpela, first of all, on this, because he gave such a wonderful dissertation on what are those strings hanging from your clothes? I think they're having to do something with like Jewish stuff, but I could be wrong. Maybe your clothes are just falling apart. But anyway, uh, those are common comments that we get. But he gave such a wonderful elucidation, I felt. And I know it was spirit-filled because he wasn't really planning it. But, you know, when you're out and about just living for Hashem and going from mitzvah to mitzvah, uh, you know, things happen. And uh, this wonderful Moed was that he said, oh, these are called zitzit. And these are because Hashem has redeemed me from Egypt, which is like bondage, sin, slavery, death. So this out, this is an outward expression of something that has happened to me inwardly, spiritually, physically, like kind of the whole nine on that, which I'm just kind of like, what did you say to this person? You said these are zitzit because they are proof and a witness that Hashem has delivered us from Egypt. Are you kidding me? But anyway, after I threw him about 50 yards, uh, I was just kind of like, oh, this week's Torah portion, Vayetze, because that's what we're commenting on, right? So in Vayetze, in, uh, in the Sidur on page 95, when I said he has removed you, well, guess what? In the Hebrew, that word is hodzeti. So you may hear this if you tune into our Shabbat service. Something to the effect of Ani Adonai Elohekim, Asher hodzeti etkem. Okay, you're going to hear that. And that is saying that I have removed you. So the word yetze is in there for hodze. And uh, literally, we say Lidziat Mitzrayim. You know, he has taken us out of Mitzrayim. So let me just get up on the word study real quick. Uh, I want to pull up Bible Hub here and pull up Bereshit 2810. And when you pull up Bereshit 2810, this is what you get. Which I'm, uh, you know, I'm gonna have to do it. I'm gonna have to do some on the fly gematria because I have not done the gematria of Vayetze, which I normally, that's how I open up my drush, but you know. So check out when this word is first used because that's important. The law of first use is in Bereshit chapter 1, verse 12, talking about vegetation. Vegetation. Let the earth bring forth grass, vegetation. Okay, so coming out of concealment is the ultimate definition of Vayetze. 
So where was Yaakov concealed? In the household of two of the most super spiritually charged people ever, which obviously he was a superly, superly charged spiritual person ever. But you're, we're talking about Rivka and Yaakov. I mean, I mean, Slika, Rivka and Yitzhak. I mean, you got the Akida and his bride. That's where Yaakov is leaving from. You know, this really speaks to. You may have heard this before. It's a very, very little known passage, but I want to make sure that we all check it out. This is straight from our master's lips. Our master. That's really cool. <clears throat> that's Mashiach, by the way. So anyway, uh, he says this. And Matit Yahu 28, 17 or 18. Let's go with 18. Yeshua approached and breaking the silence said to them, all authority, power, rule and Hashemayim and Ohaaretz. Remember the ladder that's in this week's parsha. It was from earth to Hashemayim. So, you know, and this week's Basor portion, shouts out to the TTB class um, that we went over that in Yochanan chapter one. Uh, 41 through 51 and he was talking about he is the latter so okay so there's that and then it was already testified like twice at least in that same section of the Basora portion that this is Mashiach and this is Mashiach ben Yosef so like there's all that wrapped up right there so if, so if you need to know anything about Yeshua HaMashiach he is Mashiach ben Yosef he is the latter that Jacob saw OK, and he is apparently um, the embodiment of what Yaakov became at some point, which overlays with Moshe. But that's another Josh for another time. So uh, anyway, let's get to Vayetze over here. So he said all authority and all power of rule and Hashemayim and Ha'aretz on Ha'aretz has been given to me. Go. There it is. say, go then and make Talmudim of the nations, mikvahing them, immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to observe, teaching them to be Shomer. Shomer of what? What is the only thing we can be Shomer over? Well, we can be Shomer over many things, I guess. But literally, when it's called observance, it's usually tied to mitzvot. So Mashiach is saying, go teach people to be observant of the mitzvot. And you do this when you vayete. And this is unifying the name, okay? Because remember, it says, into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh. That's all a name, which we know is the yod Hey vav Hey. I'll get to that witness in just a moment. But it says, and behold, I am with you all the days. So just in case I feel a little cray cray, I'm going to go ahead and pull out what Dr. Sakal has gifted me. It is a uh, Basora Matidyahu to Revelations in English and Ivrit. So Dr. Sakal, I still got that source and I appreciate it. And I'm using it right now. So if you go to 28, and we were specifically uh, looking at uh, verse 19 is when he says go. So in this Hebrew over here, it uses leku, 
va'asu le'talmidim kol ha'goyim. Go and make talmidim of the olive tav of all of the goyim. And then, okay, so first of all, you're supposed to teach all the nations. So anyone who's a non-Jew fits the term goyim, so there's that. And then it says, don't stop there at teaching them. Don't make them Talmudim. But I need you to also, with that, utvaltem, and tavel them, which is immerse them. What do we tavel when we kosher something? And when you kosher a human being, that is conversion. It should be called kosherversion or something, but it's conversion. It's easier to say. Kosherversion is what it is. Okay? And it says, Otam leshem ha'av vehaven veruach ha'kodesh. So you tavel them to the, literally, to the name of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach ha'kodesh. And that is the Yod and Hey and the Vav and Hey. Now, the other thing about Lehu, real quick, uh, just so I finish my thought on uh, the, the uh, Exodus being. Uh, Hodze or Yatza want to go into um, there are 1069 occurrences of Yatza or uh, Yetze, which is Vayotze or Vayetze. So there are that many forms of that word. So in Shemot, first of all, it first appears over there that um, say to Pharaoh, bring out my people. Literally, vehotze et ami. And then it also says uh, in, because we want to get to the literal Exodus part. Dun, 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 dun. First of all, Hashem uses this at midnight on the Seder night in Shemot 11.4, where it says, at about midnight I am going out into the mist. And that's when the slaying of the firstborn happens. And then uh, here it is, Shemot eleven eight. You ready? Ve yardu kol avdecha ele elai vehish tachevu li lemor ze ata ve kol haam asher beraglecha ve achare ken. Etze vayetze meim paro bachari. There you go. So vayetze is, let's see, we got, um, first I'm going to translate it, stand by. First it got one and two, three. Vayetze is mentioned in form three times in this one verse. Shemot 11.8, literally, all these officials of yours will come to me bowing down before me and saying, go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moshe, hot with anger, left Paro. So basically saying that this is the, the final encounter between Moshe and Pharaoh. And then here we are to confirm the exodus so you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, on, for on the same day this, the same day of this, 
I will have brought you and your armies out of Egypt. This is Shemot 12.17. Shemot 12.17 in the common language. On that same night, I will celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, i.e. Pesach, i.e. the festival of Matzot. Celebrate that because on this very day, I brought your divisions out of Egypt. And the word Vayetze is used in there, which is Hodze. So letting the people go, Moshe leaving Pharaoh, the people leaving Egypt, it's all Vayetze. So what are we doing here in Parsha Vayetze? We are leaving the confines of Kedusha on steroids because the Akedah and his bride. Again, Matzit Yahu 28, 18 through 20. Again, like we're going out. Yeshua is like, I'm resurrected. The Akedah just happened. It is officially Pesach. Well, it's 40 days after Pesach, which is approaching Shavuot. But wait till Shavuot because when we pick up in Acts, in the account of Acts, which happens after the gospel accounts, starting in Acts chapter 2, they're at Shavuot, the tongues of fire come down, and then people who are Jewish from all over the place get converted because they're hearing Torah in their own language, and then they go out from there to the Greeks and to all the other nations. So start with the Jews and go out from there. So Yaakov, right here in this week's parsha, is embodying all of that. So then, as that is happening, um, where I was going to go with unifying the name real quick, if you notice, when we um, do certain things like put on tefillin or a talit, we say leshem yichud, leshem yichud, which means for the sake of the unification. Now, didn't we not just say that we're toveling people leshem Ha'av vehaven veruach hakodesh. Slika Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. When we're mikveing people, we're mikveing them into the unification of the name. And on page five, the men's art scroll completes the door. Leshem yikud kuche briku ushkinte bidkilu urkimu leachet shem yod he bevav k. Or hey, okay. We say K instead of hey to kind of safeguard the name. So slika. So leshem yikud yodke bevavke. We want to be as far from pronouncing the divine name as possible, because number one, we don't know how to say it. But then, even if we did, that name literally could like cause creation to suck into itself, and that would be uh, to say the least. But anyway, so to unify this name. We have the Holy One, blessed be He, His presence, blessed be He, and we have His name in perfect unity. So we unify the Holy One and His presence with His name, okay? And then Mashiach is given Hashem's name, which we know that He's given Him a name greater than any other name. Uh, let me source that real quick. Obviously, Shaul wrote about it. There it is. Okay, Slika. Philippians, the letter to the Philippians. The letter to Philippi. Because that's where the Philippians hang out in Philippi. It says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Okay? And that at the name of Yeshua, every knee should bow in Hashemayim and Hon Ha'aretz. 
So, we know that uh, Mashiach was given the yod Hey vav Hey because there are... Uh, Hashem will share His glory with no other, basically. And when we talk about unifying the name of Hashem, we're taking the four letters and which are in two parts, and there are two letters. There are just so happens to be two Mashiachs and all of that. So uh, when you are unifying the name of Hashem, that is the mikvah that we bring people in when we convert them. And anytime we are mikvahing ourselves into a mitzvah, which mitzvah and mikvah are really, really close in uh, spelling and in sound and in intent. So... Literally, by doing a mitzvah, we are connecting ourselves to Hashem. And when you do a mikvah, you're being, in a sense, uh, in the womb of being birthed again. So that's why being born again is a thing you do when you mikvah. And then also when you mikvah, you're purified by the waters, which the mikvah is like a birthing uh, unit. So coming out of the mikvah. So when you're wrapping yourself in your tallit or when you are... You know, tying to feeling um, and all those different things. Uh, obviously, these are men mitzvahs, but there are other mitzvot that would have the for sake for the sake of the unification name that is done. So just know that, and I just want to throw that out there. Now, uh, the other thing I want to really get into real quick is the teachings of the Talmud Humash. After I do this gematria. Slika. I was going to do the Gematria of Vayetze. Let me do that real quick. Vayetze, that is a Vav, that is a Yod, that is two letters of Hashem's name. That's crazy. And it is 197. And it is the Gematria of 197. Stand by, using my secondary source over here. Okay, it is Vayetze Melek, as it used in Bereshit 14.8, which is, and the king went out. Well, yeah, there, there's that because, remember the king and the priesthood was given from Melchizedek to Abraham, transferred to Yitzchak, and transfer to Yaakov, so the king goes out. Okay, so now we got, uh, and the king obviously sends us out in Matityahu 28. So there is all of that. Okay, so in the teachings of the Talmud, I want to go to Hulin 91b, uh, commenting on the stones that were taken from Hamakom, the place. And while I'm here talking about the place, Quick shout out to Rabbi Griffin from Sar Shalom Synagogue, my Sar Shalom. Um, in 2017, i.e. 5778, the drosh that he did on Vayetze is called Makom. And so there's a whole like crazy astrophysics drosh that he gave that was legit. So uh, please check that out and, and just get you some of that. So, um, lots of shameless plugs. That's how we roll. Until Mashiach gets back, going to be a lot of that. So, hurry up. All right. So, anyway, um, it says about the stones that they were fighting. It says, our pasuk says, Yaakov took stones in the plural and placed them around his head. But later, when he woke up, the pasuk says he took the stone, meaning one stone. How many stones did Yaakov place around his head? 
The answer is that Yaakov took a number of stones to place around his head, but each stone wanted Yaakov to lay his head on it and not on another stone. Hashem then made a miracle, combining all the stones into one large stone. Yaakov's head was then resting on the combined stone. Our pasuk is talking about what Yaakov did at first. He gathered the stones. The pasuk below is talking about what eventually happened to the stones. They had become one. Now, uh, in the TTB drosh, I dropped down some Shonuf Pincus, and here's some of the other thing that I did not get to share about Shonuf Pincus. And um, I want to share, because he basically literally talks about the stones being the six orders of Mishnah of the Talmud uh, Bavli and the Talmud Yerushalayimi. Because there are two Talmuds, there's two Mashiachs, so obviously there would be two Talmuds. And Talmud is the oral Torah, and it's called Torah Sheba al Pei. So the Ramban, in uh, one of his writings, let's see here, he was talking about the Ramban... Uh, the Ramban, where was he at? Says twelve six. So we're talking about what? Man, he quotes Ramban like a long time ago. By the way, I'm on uh, page three, so hold that thought for just a half second. Okay, so the Ramban is quoted um, earlier as commenting on twelve seventeen. And then and now he's commenting on 12.6. Okay. So jumping around with some Ramban. But this is back in Parsha Leklika and talking about the, the uh, says Yitzhak. So let me just start right here in this section. It says, continuing onward from this glorious path, we will now proceed to explain why HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranged for Yaakov to lay down on Hamariah where... Yitzhak had lain during the Akedah by making the sun set prematurely. Let us refer to the commentary of Ramban on 12.6. Here the Ramban introduces a basic principle based on the Midrash Tankuma, Leklaka. It says that the, uh, that plays a vital role throughout the Parashot involving Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. The events experienced by the Avot, the forefathers, okay, our three patriarchs, foretell future events that their descendants will experience. Stated succinctly, ma'aseh avot seman lebanim. Okay, so the works of the fathers show for the children. Okay, so like basically whatever we see going on with them, that's going to be an outflow for us. So. It says, and as the title for this section, the future Geula will come in the merit of studying the Torah Sheba Al Pei, okay, which is the oral Torah. So if we get the two Mashiachs, we study them, that would be like legit. So now uh, he says over here that this is on page five. It says, in the name of the Gedulim, which is the Talmud, in the name of Maharam. Papirsh Meore Or, the Talmud Babli represents Rachel, and Talmud Yerushalayim represents Leah. So when the stones are quarreling, 
you got the six and six because there are six orders of Mishnah, okay? So Yaakov Avinu gathered precisely 12 stones alluding to the Talmud Bavli and the Talmud Yerushalayimi, each of which based on six orders of Mishnah, okay? So obviously it's many stones, but if you think about the Talmud, there are many insights and things that are going on, but they can be categorized into six. So think about the many stones categorized into six, and you got the six and the six, which is 12. You got the 12 tribes. Now remember in First Kepha, it says that we're living stones built up into Hashem's spiritual temple. And then you got the fact that the stones are literally called Avanim, which are the same descript which is the same descriptive Hebrew word, slika, for what is used on the priestly breastplate. So the stones, the Avanim, represent the tribes, which represent all of us, because First Corinthians twelve twelve through twenty seven it says that. Mashiach is a one body of many members. And remember, he's the chief cornerstone, but we're the living stones. And then you talk about verse 11 in our parsha this week, 2811, that says stones from the place. Me'avne hamakom. If we take out stones from Mashiach, if we take out stones from the temple, which would obviously destroy it, which is why if we are not building up the temple, we're destroying it. So remember, we're all living stones here. Let's work together so the temple can be done. All right? Bruxham. So anyway, living stones built up into a spiritual temple, and there is that. We don't have to quarrel. We just need to work together, and everything will be all good. One final thing that I want to mention. We talked about how the term Yehudim comes from Yehuda which is Judah, which is the fourth son of Yaakov and Leah, and that all tribes are called by the name of Yehuda, and that's where Yehudim comes from. Because Yehuda is the king, so we are subject to the king, and then there is that. But then we also call by the name of the Yod K with the Vav K, which is the divine name of Hashem, because the way you get Yehuda is to put a Dalit inside the divine name. And remember, the divine name is split up into the Yod and K with the Vav and K. So those represent the two Mashiachs. That's why the Yod K, which is Yeshua HaMashiach, that's on one side. Then the Vav K, which is called Vahu, which the uh, Sukkah, I believe it's 48 around there, Sukkah 48 tractate, uh, with the Sukkot uh, teaching about Hashanah Rabbah, Rabbah, it says that the Bnei Yisrael circled the altar in the temple with all the Lulavim covered over it, and they say, Ani Vahu, Ani Vahu, like this is, our, this is the one, it is he who has redeemed us. And they're pointing at the altar and they're calling that divine name of Hashem. So there's all of that going on. And remember, the Lulavim represent a man. They're like the four different aspects of the, the Yodke, Vavke, in a form. And, you know, Mashiach was that in a form. So that's why they were waving, saying, Hoshiana, Hoshiana, Hatzlikana, while he was coming in riding on the donkey. So all of that's going on. It's crazy unification right now. But all that to say... You have the Mashiach, you have Hashem, you have the king, and that's all from Yehuda. But did you also know that B'nai Israel is called by the name Yosef?
I'm in Tehillim, the big book of Tehillim 157b, uh, Tehillim 80, and specifically verse 2. It says, listen, O shepherd of Israel, who leads Yosef like sheep? Appear, you who are enthroned upon Keruvim. It says this in the footnotes from a Hasidut thought. It says that the Jewish nation is called by Yosef's name long after he sustained them during the Egyptian famine. Clearly, Yosef's contribution is an everlasting one. Oh, like the everlasting rock, Mashiach Yeshua. So Yosef sustaining the children of Israel throughout the famine causes this to be an everlasting contribution. Because had he not done this, there would have been no children of Israel. At least it would have not been the ones that we got to start the nation from there. But anyway, I digress. Clearly, Yosef's contribution is everlasting one. The physical nourishment he provided was, a mani- was the manifestation of a spiritual nurturing that endures for eternity. What set Yosef apart from his brothers was his ability to thrive in an adverse environment. And I'm telling you, Lapid, right now, that's what sets us apart. We're in an adverse environment. We are not in Israel. We are not popularly accepted in the Jewish community, but that's cool. We are getting embraced by some people, and that's awesome. But either way, just like Yosef, we're able to survive and thrive in an adverse environment. Really, for the frankly, you know, uh, many Jews today are doing that. So that's all good. But anyway, it says that... um, Specifically, Yosef, apart from his brothers, was able to do that. This is why Mashiach ben Yosef is the one who can sit at the gates of Rome. That's not a place where a Jew wants to be. Near church, near services, because, you know, Rome is the progenitor of Christianity. That's why Christianity happened around 300, and the roots of it was after 100, which notice that's way after the Talmudim have all passed away. Which means the Talmudim were not a part of Christianity, nor was Shaul for that fact, because he was uh, martyred before the destruction of the temple. So all he knew was Judaism. But that's neither here nor there. Well, maybe it's here and maybe it's there. But here we go. So anyway, it says that uh, Yosef's brothers chose shepherding as an occupation because its aesthetic nature allowed them to remain committed to God. They knew that their spiritual devotion could not survive in a secular milu. Yosef, however, possessed a remarkable spiritual endurance. Throughout his enslavement to Potiphar, his imprisonment, his eventual ascension to the throne, his commitment to, a, to living a godly life never wavered. May it be so with us. When Yosef's brothers joined him in Mitzrayim, they needed an infusion of his spiritual stamina. His resilience became part of them, their quote-unquote nourishment. From then on, the endurance of Yosef was carved within the Jewish soul. Because we are indebted to Yosef for our spiritual fortitude, we forever bear his name. This psalm A poignant plea on behalf of the exiled Jew invokes our relationship with Yosef and our ability to overcome the trials of exile. That is from the Rebbe, Lakute Sikot, volume 25, page 
page 252 through 257, says this interpretation accounts for why the Jewish people are called children of Yosef, specifically in this psalm. So B'nai Yosef, that is another name for Jews. So recall by the name of the king, recall by the name of the suffering servants, and that is a Lapid, and that is our Mashiach, and we are many stones from the stone. This is what Yaakov rested on, and this is what he went out to go and do because Parshavayetse is him going out into a place which Haron or Haran, by the way, is like the word for like evil, anger and um, bitterness and wickedness. And so he's going purposely out into the dark places to go get the Jewish people. And that's what Mashiach did for us when he left the throne to come down into earth and creation, become in our likeness and to dwell among us like Yochanan chapter one. And then you got the fact that he called us to do the same thing, except obviously we're in creation. So within creation, we're to descend into those areas that are not Jewish, that are dark, that are full of anger, that are full of darkness, that are full of bitterness and lies and just not coolness. And that's where we are to vayet say, that is this week's parsha. So Baruch Hashem, may we be resilient and unwavering as B'nai Yosef and B'nai Yehuda, i.e. being Yehudim, who are lit like a menorah. And interesting, Hanukkah's coming up and we're already getting into that mode. So hope y'all have learned something today and hope that uh, this was Hopefully a blessing to you. So I know I had fun and Toda for listening to me and letting me share some insights. So as we are taught, is always true. What do we know? What do we know? Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher natan lanu Torah temet Vechaye olam natabetocheinu Baruch atah Adonai Noten haTorah Amen Adonai may we merit to see the return of Mashiach Yeshua speedily and soon in our days. Amen. Shalom and blessings over your Shabbat.